there. I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. And it is officially marketing a talk on these special shows. We bring on experts and dive deep into a specific digital marketing topic. And today we have a truly special show for you. I'm joined by three guests today, all with different relationships to Google ads. And we're going to discuss a lot of hot topics and I'm sure get a lot of very different takes. So we're excited about this one. So let's get to the introductions of who those guests are. So if you, each of you all say your name and then you could kind of introduce yourself, talk about your job and your relationship with Google or maybe a past job, little spoiler there. Um, so starting with Ben Kruger. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Uh, super excited to meet you all and uh, join you. I am a e-commerce strategist at Google. Um, I've been in this role for the past four years. Um, uh, I'm following experience of a few different unique experiences within digital marketing. Uh, I first started in the online to attribution state, online to offline attribution space. Um, and then I went into email. So I learned a lot about lifecycle marketing and retention. And now I am uh, full-time at Google. I work with hundreds of e-commerce advertisers and I'm a real person. I have strong <laughs> viewpoints as we'll get through. Um, but truly here, I want all of my, all of the advertisers I work with and beyond to make as much profit and money as they can from Google. And I think that that's my job to help them do that. Um, so really excited to, to chat with you guys further. Awesome. It's not every day we can get someone from Google on the blower. So we're really excited to get your answers to some of these questions. Next up here, we are so excited to be joined finally on the podcast by Jill Saskin-Gales. Jill, can you introduce yourself? Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm Jill. I am a marketing coach and trainer. So I work with marketers, agencies, small business owners, helping them make more money from Google ads and from a variety of growth marketing tactics. And then I also teach Google ads and digital marketing at Google actually, and at startup accelerators like Google for startups and DMZ and training programs like Digital Main Street and Jelly Academy. And I am an ex-Googler. I worked at Google from 2015 to 2021 in the large customer sales organization in Canada. And specifically, my role was on international growth team. So I worked with Canadian businesses that wanted to expand outside of Canada and help them do so through Google ads and Google's proprietary insights. Awesome. So you should have a really interesting perspective on everything too. And just to clarify, it is ex-Googlers, how we're pronouncing that. Me and Greg were going back and forth on how we're supposed to, is it like Zoogler or? I always say Zoogler. What do you okay. say, Ben? Zoogler, yeah. Zoogler. Zoogler, yeah. Okay, so we'll say we'll say Zoogler from here on out. Awesome. <laughs> and I just got to give Jill some props because she has a newborn yes. at home and joined us on her maternity leave. So thank you so much for being here. And if we hear it's some little whimpers pleasure. in the background, we'll know why. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we are joined by Greg Finn. Greg, can you tell us a little bit about anyone who doesn't know? <laughs> yes, I'm I'm a host of Marketing Clock. I am a partner here at Cypress North. I've never worked at Google, um, but I've worked in Google a lot. I'm a huge Google Ads fan, and I believe I was named um, the 2022 most pro Google marketer of the year. So I'll have to try to be uh, by Marketing Clock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by the way, by one person at Marketing Clock, I was not a part of that vote. Uh, thanks for peeling the curtain back, but um, I'll be <laughs> here talking concept. from the agency side. Okay, awesome. So we've got an agency guy, we've got a Zoogler, and we've got a current Googler. So I think we should have a lot of great perspectives here. Okay, so let's start with just some perceptions to get us kicked off here. Ben, as a Googler, what would you say is the goal and general sentiment of the Google ads and advertiser relationship? I try to fundamentally understand the business of any customers that I'm working with that are advertising with Google. And I want to help them learn more about the platform and how they can generate more success from their investment with Google, right? Success, I use that broadly because everyone's out to achieve different outcomes. And that's, those have substantially changed within the last six months. A lot of people were chasing top line revenue growth or user acquisition. Now it's coming way, you know, there's way more scrutiny on the bottom line. So a lot of the conversations we're having are about profit. So truly, I want to help them grow their business by using all of the amazing products, tools, insights, um, and capabilities that Google Ads has to offer. Jill, do you feel the same way or do you have like a unique, unique perspective now that you've kind of been on both sides? I do feel the same way from the Google perspective. You know, I worked with advertisers spending millions of dollars a year on Google Ads. 
So the relationship they would have with their Google rep would be one where you'd be meeting weekly or bi-weekly. You know, I would spend months creating custom presentations and inside stacks for different clients. So in that space, the goal is absolutely to create partnership. Why? To make more money for clients, which makes more money for Google. Of course, Google only makes money when its partners make money. Being on the outside now of Google for two years, I can see how perhaps on the outside, it doesn't feel that way. It really feels like you know, Google wants us all to use broad match just to make themselves more money or like, oh, performance max are getting us to go into garbage inventory just so they can make more money. I get why it feels that way from the outside, but the way these things are developed internally, I can say as a Zoogler speaking from my own experience <laughs> that the goal of that Google and advertiser relationship really is making more money for clients so Google can make more money. Okay, Greg, and how are you feeling about that relationship as someone on the outside? Surprisingly, I think, I think, I think everybody nailed it. You know, I think there are different levels, I would say. And, and if you spend more and you are in higher tiers, you get more service. And I feel like, um, you know, that's one issue that I think is, is some of the, you know, small, medium-sized businesses really might feel isn't there, um, when you're going through the traditional support and it's hard to get reps and hard to talk to people. Um, but I think for the most part, you know, everything that that's been said is kind of spot on, um, especially, you know, like, you know, Google wants you to do well, Google wants you to spend more money with them. And, um, and that helps everybody. So I think that's sort of the end of the the goal there, but you know, there's some, some other ways throughout that I think people, you know, there could be some optimization. If we could just jump in a little bit, I think what some negative perceptions that may come up is due to some limited knowledge that Google reps may have about businesses, which is why I started with how I really seek to truly understand how a business operates and makes money and what they want to do. For our smaller, for our like, I don't use the word smaller, but for like smaller businesses that work with Google, their Google rep has a lot of businesses in their portfolio. And therefore they don't have the time to go as deep as, you know, Jill was in large customers. I'm in, in mid market. So I even, you know, I have more accounts to work with. So we don't have the time to go as deep as you may want to. And therefore, the things that we bring to the table are based off of internal findings of what works at scale for the average advertiser. So the things that you mentioned, like broad match, Pmax, et cetera, et cetera, they work. And we're recommending these things because we've seen them work and are confident in the data that we've seen and our, our experiences with these products, you know, our firsthand experiences with these products. However, it's just like we need to operate at scale and we're trying to satisfy so many people that it's hard to get a, a, you know, a bespoke customized recommendation when you're working with 200 different businesses at once. So there, there's some give and take in, in our ability to, to meet like full expectations and prescribe a very um, specific recommendation where sometimes we need to default on averages and what we know works best. Just one other note, like I, I think to, to, to that point as well is like, there are other layers of, of, how good a rep can be, right? There, there's different layers of how good an agency is. Not every agency is the same. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a, a wide variety and, and everybody's doing their best. And just because you, you know, somebody's had a bad experience with somebody doesn't mean that that's always going to be the case. And, you know, I think at, at, at their core, Google wants everybody to do well. You know, you could get a, a PPC course and it could be worth literally zero, or you could go to Jill, jyl.ca, and you can sign up for an amazing Google ads course for a very low monthly price, and you could do really well with it. So I think, you know, don't throw everything out just because one experience or something you had with the support line on things. And I think one thing I'll add to that is Google's idea of what is like a small business or a small ad spend is very different to a layperson's yeah. idea of what is small ad spend. So to the vast majority of businesses, you are spending a ton of money with Google ads. It's like the biggest, one of the biggest bills you pay every month. But in the grand scheme of Google, you're probably not even making a dent in the sort of teams that Ben would support or that I support. And so I think that's where there's a disconnect as well. People feel huge amounts of their money going to Google. But from Google's perspective, it's not big enough to warrant a higher level of support that people would desire. Yeah, it feels really important to that advertiser though. So that's a tough spot. Yes. Okay, so I have a question here that I think is a really loaded question, but I think will be an interesting discussion point. So I'll start with Greg for this one. Do you think that advertisers should trust Google ads? I 
don't think you should trust anybody blindly. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. I think, you know, a, a lot of the data that's put out there is accurate. You know, they're not going to put out inaccurate information. I'm not going to speak for Ben there, but I think at the same, at the same point, Google's a business, just like the business you work for or anything like that. And their job is also to, um, you know, to maximize their profit. So I think you should kind of never trust anybody blindly. Um, you know, and I think it's always one of those things. Our mantra is like, let's cool. We have something new, like a performance max. Let's test it. We run a lot of performance max. There are things I don't like about it, but, um, you know, you need to really test things yourself. So don't blindly trust test, see what the results say. That's my answer. Jill, what do you think? Do you think advertisers should trust Google? I think that advertisers should trust Google's intent. And by that, I mean, you know, though it's not the motto of Google anymore, like do no evil, like Google genuinely wants to do right by its advertisers. And when it puts out new products or makes changes or takes features away, the powers that be at Google are doing that because they think it's the right thing to do. Now, does that translate into you should trust everything Google tells you to do? No, like the recommendations tab, I say, ignore. You know, there are certain things in the interface that I think are misleading, like calling it upgrade to broad match or saying your account is not optimized when really, you know, that doesn't actually mean that you're not doing the right things for your own account. Again, I don't think that that comes from a malicious place in Google. As Ben pointed out, Google is making these recommendations because for the average advertiser, they will work well, but no business is the average advertiser. So I would say trust Google's intent. It does really grind my gears when I see the conversation on Twitter or elsewhere like, oh, you know, you wanna hack this with Google and Google wants to trick you with this and don't be fooled by this thing from Google. Like I don't find that rhetoric helpful. The good intent is there, but in the day-to-day -day, you have to know what you're doing and when to accept a recommendation that makes sense for your business and one that does and reject one that doesn't. Yeah. And I feel like communication is a big part of it. Like that broad match example, when you're saying upgrade or we had an example on our show last week where it said upgrade to broad match for the same number of conversions at a similar ROI or something. And just, I guess the certainty of that statement trips a lot of people up. Um, yes, but, I'm sure there are studies that showed that that happened, but it doesn't yeah. mean it will happen for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think there's any like malicious intent or conspiracies going on. Like, I wouldn't work here if that that were the case. <laughs> to be honest, there's a really common issue I find with the discrepancy between what a business truly cares about and what they're telling Google Ads. Right? Like if you care about profit or you care about generating phone calls or whatever it may be, that signal is not in Google ads. Like a lot of people who care about profit today are passing revenue into the system, right? So inherently there's a disconnect. So when a recommendation comes up of like, Hey, you could be driving more revenue or you could be driving more conversions at the same cost. It's using the data that is that we're seeing within the platform to make that recommendation. So it, I think it's, it's both sides. It's, it's, you need like a business is better served by getting the exact data to drive to the exact outcomes that they want from the platform. And then, you know, if, if you're passing the right signals in, then those recommendations are really only going to pop up when it matters. So I, I think to close that gap will improve the trust because it'll be more aligned with your business and what you want to achieve. But like to, to, to answer the question, like, no, there's no, a lot of these things are, are recommended because they work and I've seen them work. I work with hundreds of advertisers, so I don't question it. Like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be recommending things that I don't see work. It, like a lot of the things that I say externally have no impact on my performance, my rating, my income, nothing. I know that it works and I'm trying to spread that to the masses. Um, and in doing so, I've like stumbled upon a lot of this mis what I think is misconception about the intent that Google has, um, which has been fascinating to me. So it's like conversations like this are great. And I bring them back to our teams and like, I'm by talking with so many of you, I'm playing the voice of the customer now internally. Like I, when I go to product teams or whatever meetings I'm going to, I'm questioning things and pushing back. And, um, so, so these are really helpful and I appreciate it. And, and yeah, I think that you should trust this platform, it's done so well for so many people. It's created careers, it's created businesses, right? And it's with the best intention at heart. Um, again, it's the biggest advert, one of the biggest advertising platforms ever. Um, so to operate at this scale, it like, 
it needs to 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 use averages and signals to to make recommendations and um, recommend things that are in the best interest of 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 a given uh, account. Yeah. And I think we have we to have trust a, Google to a certain point because we're trusting like the data and everything. But as far as the recommendations, I mean, you trust go. you trust Waze, and you don't question the route that's <laughs> yeah. given. It's the same technology, right? I trust Waze. I don't know if everyone does. <laughs> or Google Maps or Gmail. Like it's all the same technology. Like I see what you're saying, Jill. Sorry, yeah. I cut you off there for a second. No, that's all right. I think Ben brings up such a great point that you will get out of Google Ads what you put into it, and the more data and offline conversion tracking and customer lists and all that you provide to Google ads, the better the results will be. And again, that's a place where so many small businesses get left behind because they just don't know what they don't know. They don't know how to do that. Their lists aren't large enough. Their tracking isn't in place. They don't have a CRM. And that's again, where I think a lot of this discontent happens. So you're not giving Google the data it needs. So it's not performing as well for you. So you curse the platform understandably, but the flip side is that the platform doesn't have the information it needs. It can't produce those better than average results for you. Just one note on the Waze point. It's a little bit different because you know, you're know you not necessarily paying to use it. It's sort of like that that service that you're getting. Um, in, sure. in exchange for that, you're g- getting served ads. You might go stop at a Tim Hortons or whatever along the way because they're advertising. You didn't know about it. Um, but it is it is different when you're, you're putting your heart your hard-earned dollars or the company you're working for is hard-earned dollars in a spot. And you want to make sure that, um, that, that it is serving them well, right? Like, it, and as an agency, you always kind of operate as like your fiduciary and you want to be able to make sure that this company that's entrusted you with these spends, that you're getting them the right inventory, the right message to the right people at the right time, at the right place. Um, and that's, you know, when some of those things go away, it's like, all you have left is trust, right? And, and that, yep, yep. That, that that's there. I think it's a really, really good point. It's not my money. It's not my business that I'm making these recommendations for. So it's really easy for me to say, uncap your budgets, no max CPC. I know that it works, but it takes like, sometimes it can take time for it to come through. And like, maybe you don't have the cash flow to go through that learning phase. And it's, it's, it's a really good point. Um, so I appreciate you making that, that it's like, yes, like maybe in, maybe these are the right things to do without any context, but like if it were my business, perhaps I would approach it more cautiously. Okay. My next question here, I'm going to start with Jill for this one. Do you think there is a need slash, can you explain why there is a need for Google ads agencies for brands? The very large businesses that get true dedicated Google support? No, not so much. The only place where I saw that being useful for large customers is where the business itself doesn't have any internal marketing capability or marketing know-how. And so the agency is kind of like the outsourced marketing team. But where that exists internally, I don't see as much value. However, on the smaller to medium-sized businesses where you don't have that customized, dedicated Google support, absolutely. Um, Whether you are building that capability in-house or working with an agency, you need to have a team of people who understand how the platform works and how to get the most out of it, who can keep up to date and all the changes and all that stuff. So I think... For the vast majority of businesses, what Google would define as small to medium-sized businesses, there's absolutely a great need for agencies to be that go-between and translator to help businesses get the best results. Okay. Ben, what do you think? Do you think there's a need for Google Ads agencies? Yeah, I think there's so so much work to be done to improve performance from Google Ads. You know, I've seen so many sale accounts and they, and they do well, but like there haven't been changes in a long time. They could be doing so much better. Um, if you think about like, this stat always blows my mind that 15% of searches on Google every day are brand new. They're things that Google have never seen before. Um, so how, how it, you know, how can you keep up with changes in, in demand without having experts like with a pulse on the market and all the product changes that we're implementing and the way that privacy and regulations are like, there, there's just so much change that agency or an internal team, um, it, it, I think it's really important to have um, someone uh, like always on top and controlling things. And your Google teams are great, but they, they're not gonna do the work probably required. And, and again, it's not their business. So I think by having someone with skin in the game, um, really helps and, and can help drive more performance from the platform. So yeah, I, like the more, the better, in my opinion. 
Okay. And Greg, I think I know what your answer is. I'm biased. Why do you think an agency is so important? I mean, should we, should we close up shop here? (laughs) I mean, I think, I think a lot of the changes that have, have occurred in the platform have been sort of towards trying to make it easier. And I think in a way, a lot of it has almost made it more difficult. Um, some of the, the changes, like, for example, like trying to figure out what an identical matched keyword is and just all the different audiences versus audience signals. Um, yeah, there's so much to do to really get things right. To, to, to Ben's point, it's making sure you have all those conversions with the right values through. It doesn't just stop when you get traffic. It's also like, hey, are we nurturing everything the right way? Um, I, I mean, to landing pages and testing, right? It's like, that's not Google's job. And if you don't have teams to do that, you should be finding an agency that's doing that for you. And that has your best interest and knows the account. And even trying to like, we deal with it a lot where somebody's like, Hey, we're thinking about trying to get somebody in-house. Like, could you help train them? And that's where I say, go to JYLL.ca. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's very tough. It's very tough to find somebody that knows this in and out and can do other things as well. Right? Like if you're in it all day, um, you're very good at Google ads, you know how to do uploads, you know how to get past performance max and get those setups going fast. And, and to a lay person or somebody new, um, it's really tough. So I think there is a, a great need um, to currently to have somebody who is an expert, or, you know, to to oversee your account. I'm biased too, but I feel like I learn so much from even like other accounts that I can apply and help other clients. And I feel like that's such a benefit that I'd be missing out on if I was just working for one company. So interesting well, perspective. Something, Greg, um, really interesting as well that I think the problem is where an agency just looks at Google ads and that's it. And I think mm-hmm. the days of that being okay are over. And to your point, um, an agency should be able to have a more holistic view, things like conversion rate optimization or managing other channels, or even if they're not managing your organic, like being in meetings to understand what's going on because Google ads does not operate in a vacuum. And so when I do meet with coaching clients or I do Google ads audits and they're unhappy with their agency, usually it's because the agency is just pushing buttons in Google ads and that's it. And in 2023, I don't think that kind of agency can or should survive anywhere. You need to have a more holistic view of that customer journey. That's really important. And that all goes back to knowing the goals and communicating that to your Google rep or your agency. Very good point. Okay. So if it's okay with you guys, I want to move on to talk about some recent, like hot topic, recent changes in Google ads and get everyone's perspective on these. Um, So starting off here with the wider theme of keyword matching, becoming more lax, close variance, um, broader without using the term broad match. And also that paired with the lack of search term visibility. We used to have a lot more insights into search queries, and now we have a lot less data there. So Greg, how is this impacting your accounts? And what do you think is Google's motivation behind this change? Well, I mean, this this is a hot take. People are going to be rolling their eyes right now. But I think a lot (laughs) of it actually helps advertisers from like the broad match standpoint. You know, when Broadmatch, the changes rolled out and it was Broadmatch with smart bidding, um, you know, we shop, you know, we tested it instantly, right? And we got some really good results. I know you had an SMX um, slides that you had done there. And especially for something like Broadmatch, where you're not necessarily matching to the term, but you can use other uh, search queries uh, from previous searches or ad groups, things like that, what's on the landing page. I think that's that's been nice. Um, I don't know if it was implemented necessarily for full privacy for some of those, because, you know, it's not always the case. Um, But I do think that some of those are the, the, the sheer percentage of, of queries that we can't see, you know, that's, it's, it's makes everybody's job tougher. And then obviously with something like a performance max where you don't really get that data and you can't really use it for other channels, like Jill was talking about, like you might see, Hey, people are really, you know, gravitating towards this term. You don't have any of that. So I understand why some of it was done. I don't think it was all privacy, but that's just me, Ben, with my tinfoil hat on. Um, But, you know, I do think like from, from a broad match standpoint, it probably has helped a lot of people make more money for their clients. Jill, do you think this is a privacy motivated change and have you seen it impacting accounts and advertisers? I do think it's privacy motivated. Ben quoted a stat that's one of my favorite stats that 15% of searches every day are novel. So how are you going to match to those unless you're using a solution like dynamic search ads or broad match? Um, And because those searches are novel, there's no one searched for them before. So there are more and more searches where the threshold um, to show 
perhaps like is higher than it was before. I don't know what the th privacy threshold was at Google, but let's say like if 10 or fewer people had searched for something we wouldn't put in a search term report, maybe it's now 100. Again, just making these numbers up. I get why Google needs to do that. Privacy is a huge topic now in a way that it wasn't when I started in 2015. No one talked about privacy in North America in 2015. In terms of wider matching, it's one of those things where two out of three times I see a drive great results and the third time it just totally poops the bed. And fair enough. Um, so I would say, you know, two years ago, I probably would never have recommended it for a smaller account. Now, even with smaller accounts, you know, I'll do an account audit and everything will be in broad match. And I'm just like cringing as I go to click on the search term report. But then I look and you know what? It's fine. 90% of the stuff is relevant. So why would I tell them to change the phrase match or edit it? Like 90% is really good. So I say all that to say, I think broad match has gotten better, especially when paired with good conversion tracking and smart bidding. Um, but, uh, but yes, I definitely understand the apprehension around it when paired with the less search term visibility. Ben, can you give us the Google perspective of the motivation behind these changes? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's privacy related. Um, we need to protect a, like if there's not enough users behaving, if there's not enough users searching for a given query, we can't expose that. So I think we're only exposing things in aggregate when there's enough volume that hits a certain threshold to show visibility on it. Um, so I think that's the motivation behind it. And then, you know, to, to Greg and Jill's point, like I have, I do see it perform better. And I think it opens up more time for small, smaller businesses to focus more on driving the things that matter rather than trying to build out huge keyword lists and like keyword mine and refine and constantly optimize negative exclusions, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I think the biggest change honestly is this move from CPC to objective based bidding because now like in a CPC world, it makes sense. You want to limit your exposure on certain terms and how much you're willing to bid on a click on a certain keyword because you have to factor in the conversion rates. AOV, et cetera. But now it's in a state where you're just telling Google, like, I need you to turn this dollar into four. And, you know, this comes into, into the trust portion. Like you need to trust the platform to be able to do that for you. And, and when you do, when you do trust it, when you do see it, you want to just give it as much opportunities um, as possible for it to generate that return for you. So, you know, no one is going to be able to come up with all the keywords that are make sense for their business. People are constantly searching for new things. I'm sure with uh, Silicon Valley bank happening this weekend. Like there's probably insane search terms this week, um, for maybe people who give out loans or, or smaller banks or whatever it may be. Right. And like, um, by, you know, investing into like a broad match, broader, um, structure, you can position your business in a, in a place to, to capture some of that intent and get incremental sales out of it. So I, I think, yes, it was privacy driven, but I actually think it's had a, a benefit towards uh, workflows and performance at the same time. And I totally get the privacy argument. And I feel like this might be too specific of a question for you to answer, Ben. But when I'm looking at my search term report, I feel like there's so many zero click, one impression keywords in there. So I'm just so confused as to what that mm. threshold is. Maybe it's over time or. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. to be honest. And the one thing I that I think it's also across advertisers. It's not just you. Mm. It's like maybe yeah. you yes, only yes, serve yes, one yes, impression yes. on that, but like across yes. everyone, how often it's yep. been searched. I guess that makes sense. I just it drives me nuts when it's like my converting <laughs> search terms and I don't have that visibility in my accounts. And I just wish I could learn from that and I can't. Yeah, um, it matches excuse my ignorance. Like it can it matches to the the term keyword. That you have, to yes, the keyword, but not right? the search term, yeah. So is that not is that not good enough? Yeah, especially when it's broad match, it could yeah. be anything, and I just want to know what it is so I can I would bid on that, you know, like I would add it to my keyword list. So I think that's where it's really hard. Yeah, and, the, and, the argument is that you already you already are already bidding on it, right? But like, what's the impression share? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? There are those metrics where we have things that work really well. We want to be top of mind for those. We want to have top impression share for some of these terms and being able to see those and kind of take them from the JV squad and move them up to the varsity squad is something that we do. And then, you know, the thing that, that 
is really nice getting those the the full gamut of search terms when there's not privacy concerns is uh, there's lots that you can do to help train the AI that, you know, we all know we've seen issues with AI and machine learning, pretty, you know, public stuff lately. And I'm selling a, a wallet, right? Leather wallets. If somebody's looking for vegan leather and that comes through, that's an easy one. I can just negate out and say, I'm going to serve, I'm, this person didn't want a dead animal. I don't want to show them a dead animal and I can just get rid of that really quick. So maybe I didn't even know that was a thing. I don't know if it's a thing, but like a lot of those terms, you can help to kind of train it as well, um, you know, to, to get better results for everybody. Gotcha. I think our counter is that the machine's only going to bid on things that it, think, it thinks will convert at the objective that you've set. So give it the free reign to do it. But I hear you in like speeding up that process and negating it um and 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 training it more on like what you know is best so yeah, yeah. i think there's a i see both sides got to put in our request while we have you here <laughs> <laughs> okay let's move on to another hot topic recommendations these are all over the place in the platform we know it seems like google's a big fan of them cuz they're not hiding them at all um and advertisers have to dismiss or adhere to a specific percentage of them to keep their account in good hygiene how do we think these are going, Ben? Does Google see a lot of success with these recommendations? Are they achieving their goals there? Yeah, I think it comes back to getting the right data inputs in there so that the recommendations are better tied to, to what you're looking for. Yeah, I, I think that's how I think like it's, if it's saying like your budgets are capped or you could raise your, you could lower your ROAS targets, it's because there's enough volume or it's seeing enough signals to recommend that in the first place. but if like you're seeing a disconnect in your business, then that means that like, if you implement a recommendation and you don't see it pan out for your business, it probably means that there's a, a Delta in like what Google ads knows and what, you know. Um, so I, to me, that's a sign to, to try to tighten that gap. Like, I think the idea is helpful. And instead of just looking at a huge ad account, like this is giving you really specific recommendations. And I think a lot of them are good. Like improve your ad assets. Um, you know, increase your budgets means that you could get more sales at the same return if you just gave it more budget. So that one, that one does read like, Hey, Google just wants me to spend more, but in return, you're going to get more money as well. Um, so like I get the, the perception and the wording, but, um, I, again, I think it's in the best interest and it's up to the account owner to, to give it better signals and, and better and, and therefore get better tailored recommendations. Okay. Greg, from an advertiser's point of view, what do you think about recommendations? I think it's the worst thing Google ads ever done, to be honest. I think it's, it, it, to, Ben made a great point, right? These things are all at scale. And I guess I, I just, I think when somebody comes in that's sort of new or might not be totally experienced, like the term recommendation, these could be like suggestions or, or opportunities or something like that. But to say you're recommending something, you know, like that, that's a pretty strong word. And I think, you know, to Ben's other point, yeah, you might, you might get more conversions when you spend more, but can you really say that you're giving a recommendation to somebody when there is no recommendation that says spend less, lower your budgets, you're spending too much here. Like that's not a preloaded recommendation option out there. Um, so I think it's, it's very one-sided with it. And I think if you, I know that over on search engine journal, somebody applied all recommendations and showed what happened and they lost a lot of money. If you applied all the recommendations, there's a chance that you go bankrupt, but the majority of what will happen is you will spend more and probably do less. And if somebody's got an example of a screenshot of like really good stuff, that's great. There's outliers and everything, but for the most part, that's what I've seen. Let's get Jill's response and then we can go back to Ben to see what he thinks about that. What do you think about recommendations from seeing it on yeah. both sides? I actually think the first time I was featured on Marketing Clock was when I shared a story about this on Twitter, a small business owner, I'd helped him get his Google ads set up. A few days later, he received that email, your account is not optimized, click here to accept all our recommendations. He did, totally fell apart, had to just like undo and redo everything. And I think that's a really common story that small business owners see. The flip side of why I think recommendations can be helpful is I can share a bit more insider baseball since I don't work at Google anymore, is that recommendations actually came out of an internal tool, um, but at the time was called OptiScore, like optimization score, which is now something you see in the account. And it was designed for sellers to be able to, without having to go into each and every account, see at scale, like, okay, do we have, at the time, ETAs everywhere now? Do we have RSAs and are there extensions now called assets and auto bidding? And so like 
a seller could at scale see everything going on in all the accounts and know where to make recommendations. So from that perspective, super helpful for a Google employee to be able to understand what's going on in their clients' accounts much better and make really specific recommendations to help them. I agree with Greg. I do think it's one of the worst things to happen to the platform that this now got baked in as something for everyone because you know we're all people who understand Google Ads really well. The vast majority of people don't. The vast majority of people using Google Ads are not on PPC chat and they're not reading the articles. So when they get an email from Google, they take it as gospel. When they get a recommendation from Google, they take it as gospel. And then they're confused why it doesn't work for them. And I think that's really terrible. And ultimately, one of the big reasons a lot of businesses don't trust Google the way they used to. I totally agree with you. And I think that's why I think we, if Google just communicated a little bit different and kind of gave those disclaimers more, I think it would be really helpful. Um, ben, any final thoughts on recommendations? I know we just said a lot, so I wanted to give you another chance. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate hearing your viewpoints on it. I think Greg's point about the counter recommendations is a really good one. I was trying to think of an analogy, like this doesn't help my case, but if I like, if I asked, if I tweeted like, hey, how can I lose 20 pounds in the next week? Like I'd get a hundred different types of recommendations. And I think it's, uh, it's, I think it's also like, and it's up to you as the expert to weed through those and find the ones that make sense for you. So I think it helps the case for an agency, um, to, you know, someone who has experience with these things and can see what makes sense and what doesn't. So yeah, I think it's our attempt at trying to deliver what, what the platform thinks is best, but um, you guys know your business is best. And I think it's up to you to, to, to take those recommendations um, based on your per perception. I want to move on to another hot topic here, and that is performance max. So quick here, Greg, from the advertiser perspective, what are advertisers saying about PMAX? Are we loving it? Are we hating it? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think most advertisers is a fundamental change away from visibility. And I think Overall, most people don't like it. I think it's a change away from the way that Google Ads has traditionally worked. So it's foreign for, for many folks. And I think the lack of visibility is really the biggest hindrance. Most folks don't like it. I use it because it works. And again, it's, I, I don't care what my feelings are about something. If it works for our clients, we use it. Um, but you have to use it very specifically. Um, I wish there was more data out there. Um, and, you know, I wish you had a little more control of where things showed. Um, but it, it's not my favorite. And I don't think that most folks uh, do enjoy it. Jill, do you like PMAX? Are you a fan? I am cautiously optimistic about PMAX. I've seen it drive great results. I've seen it drive not great results. What I dislike about it is you have this combination of much less visibility and less control with a much more complicated product. Like the fact that, for example, if you're a Shopify business owner and use the Google channel, used to one click, be able to set up a smart shopping campaign, which makes sense. Now you have this one click set up a performance max campaign, which I can't imagine that any of those are driving really good results. So, you know, for e-commerce, I have seen it drive good results at medium to large budgets. Lead gen, I have not, but coming back to Ben's point earlier, the reason PMAX doesn't work well from lead gen is because the lead gen data just isn't there in the Google ads account for the vast majority of advertisers. So I will say though, there have been a bunch of um, updates announced recently by Ginny and others, you know, more transparency around search terms, more transparency around excluding certain keywords, more transparency around placements. So we are getting a bit more transparency around PMAX over time, but knowing how Google works, it's never going to get to the point that advertisers want. There's a reason Google isn't showing us things, again, not to be evil, um, but just because if we had access to a lot of data, we would want to optimize it. And the whole way that PMAX works is by not letting us optimize it and letting machines do what they do best. So that's a tension I don't think will be resolved, but I am at least heartened to see some movement in the right direction there to see a little bit more of what's going on under the hood. Okay. And then from the Google perspective, is the PMAX rollout and adoption going the way you guys thought it would, or what do you think so far? Rollout aside, I have, I have a lot of thoughts. I think, okay. I think this is a, a shift in digital. I honestly think it's a shift in digital marketing. I think we rolled, we rolled out performance max, Facebook rolled out advantage plus TikTok has a, sh a shopping performance plus type product. That's very similar. And I think it's, do, this is my personal opinion, 
just due to a lot of the things that have changed in the environment, right? Like requirements for sharing data, as we talked about with search terms, is, are becoming way more stringent. And we're unable to, platforms are unable to leverage as much personalized marketing as they can, so it's as they used to. So it's harder to target and observe the behaviors that these ad platforms used for so long to generate really good returns for their for their clients. So I think by moving to this, you know, fully automated campaign type is an attempt to meet privacy and regulations requirements where needed, while also helping advertisers generate more returns from the platform. Like there's some there's some stat that there are 11 campaign types in Google Ads and to get the best of what Google's inventory has to offer you need to set up four unique campaign types. So talking about like the small and you know you'd have to be on like discovery, YouTube, search, shopping. So talking about like the smaller businesses that don't have resources and to do so like in theory putting it all into one campaign makes sense right it's easier for everybody um and it, it, if you trust the system and give it the right inputs it should be the, the best solution to what we're looking for i think the the perceptions around trust and the inability to see some of the data makes it hard for advertisers to fully embrace it and i get it but personally i think this is the way that digital marketing is evolving and it's moving from like really specific targeting and keywords and creatives over towards blended um, and more directional suggestions that the account operator needs to give the system uh, in, in order to really maximize the, the performance and what you're getting from the platform. So it's, it's really a change in like specifics to broader directional um, methods. And I think it will generate more with less ultimately as you learn the nuances that go into this type of campaign and, and how to maximize it because it's fundamentally different uh, than what anyone has done before and, and change is really hard um, and, and I think we all need to evolve because like I said all these platforms are doing it and with all these this AI sophistication coming throughout the world like this is probably the way that things are going um, so I think it's for the better I think it's for the best um, rollout of course could could always be better but it reminds me of like I, w I started at Google when smart shopping came out and we were having very similar conversations and now everyone wants to go back to smart shopping. And that was only like three years ago. So <laughs> I, I just think these things move really quickly and we get used to it, but like accepting it upfront is difficult. But then once you see the, the returns that it can make, um, you learn to love it. Okay. So my next question for you, you kind of already answered was the rationale behind the lack of useful data. Um, but it sounds like you're saying it's a, a privacy focused decision, right? I think that the data that we're used to using is no longer useful. It, it's a hot take, but I think seeing the specific keywords or seeing the specific CPCs in this new world, I, I think that there's, there's just different insights that we need to look for. We're asking old questions of a new thing. And I, I think the questions that we're asking need to change. So there's things like there's search terms insights. There's it's giving forecasts on demand now. There's asset audience insights, like which which in, which assets are your different types of audiences responding to. There's all these different types of insights that are available. They're not the same because the campaign's very different. And I think we all need to evolve the way that we're looking and trying to optimize this type of campaign relative to to other ones that we have in the past. Greg, what do you think about that statement that? that data isn't helpful for advertisers anymore. Do you agree? No, 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 no. I, it's not that <laughs> you I really not set me up for that. Sorry, one. did I say <laughs> sorry no, that we need to, we need to look differently is, is okay. really the, the crux yeah. of it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think I don't disagree with Ben, right. If that's where Google ads is going. And, and if you're an advertiser, you need to see this, you need to understand what he said and know that that's the future. I still, however, think that that's a ludicrous future when you've got something that is one of the most powerful. I mean, look at how Google came to be is from search. And it's not like that is dead or dying. Um, and I think that there it, it's again, you, there are all these challenges that you have where it's like, you know, you need to have top impression share, you know, like you want to say tops for these things. It, 
And when you have this blended mishmash and you don't know exactly what you're showing for, what you're serving on, um, some people can't use it, right? If you've got like a, a handshake with a competitor where you're not going to bet on them, you can't use PMAX. There's all these like these hindrances and, and in a vacuum, it sounds like a great idea, but there's a lot of, of, of issues with it. A hypothetical, a hypothetical in response. Like what if chat GPT and Bing or like Bard and Google really take off and search changes forever as we know it and becomes conversational and that the traditional SERP that we're used to like completely changes. Which, which it will, like, right? Sure, right, right. So, so should our advertising and like, we're not gonna be able to bid on any of the structures that you just laid out the same in a conversational or a different search environment. Like the, the pot, like everything is changing yeah, you get where I'm going with that? but but it's still it's still based off of like those themes, right? And and that's how at least right now with ChatGPT and Microsoft and the integration on that, you know, the Prometheus tries to see if there's a intent and then it matches. You can see sort of what those terms would be. So maybe it's more like topics, right? That's the case. But what it isn't is like no topics, right? Just put this this URL in here and let it go to work. That's what currently it isn't. And are we there yet? I haven't seen you know, any working actionable, um, AI other than, than over on, on Microsoft, I I'm in that, that beta and, and that is maybe where we're going. It is where we're going, but it, we're just not there today. Totally. Jill, do you think Pmax, the lack, the lack of data there is a big concern? I find myself really in between here as the Zoogler because when I hear what Ben is saying, the Kool-Aid part of my brain is like, yes, of course. You know, <laughs> it was 2015 or 2016 when Sundar announced before that, the focus had been like, we're a mobile first company, mobile, mobile, you know? And that was the change to, we're an AI first company. And so I think it's hard on the outside to understand within Google, like AI is always the solution and automation is always the solution and scale. And like that is always gonna be better. And that is where things are, where things are today and where they continue to be headed. So I do really buy into that. Um, but the flip side, now that I've been able to like deprogram a little over the last two years, is again, when you have a smaller budget, when you don't have the knowledge and sophistication of all these things, that's not a helpful answer, right? Um, it's not helpful to you if you don't have large amounts of data that AI can learn from. So I, I'm caught in between these two worlds. Yeah, I understand the Google perspective and why it is the way it is, but I also really empathize with the fact that most of the world does not share that optimism and trust in machine learning and AI. So one final question I had about Pmax was, do you guys, and Jill kind of touched on this a little bit before that she's copped cautiously optimistic, but so do you think Pmax is the future of adver digital advertising? More automation, less control. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And Ben, you said the same because you were talked about Meta and their new advertising products too, right? So you think this is the way things are going? Yeah, I don't know what to call it, like automated AI campaigns or like whatever we want to call it. But yes, I do think that that's the way things are heading. It seems like. Okay. Greg? I mean, I think it's going in that direction. Do I think Pmax is the future? Absolutely not. Um, you know, if that's the case, I think there'll be more spends going to other locations where you can target skills on LinkedIn, um, company, like there's so many other ways to, that, to, to work on some of that targeting. So um, if that is the future of Google ads in three years, I think it will be a much, um, much smaller spend. Okay. I don't think that's the case. I think the focus <laughs> of the practitioner really needs to change. Like those of us who are used to spending time on like keywords and audiences and all this stuff, like creative in a PMAX world is so much more important than it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I think as Google ads practitioners, we suck at that compared to kind of the Facebook ads and TikTok ads practitioners. Um, and something you mentioned earlier, landing page optimization, like SEO and SEM get much closer together when you use a lot more automated campaign types like Pmax that have URL expansion on it. Suddenly your whole website is what's used to determine which searches you show up on. So I don't see the spend going away from Google because of it, but I think it also is a big challenge to those of us who've been doing Google ads for a while because we need to build new skill sets that we don't have. And that's also scary. I think those are all good points. And that's very e-commerce focused, but I think you also mentioned earlier about how it's really hard for lead gen and it's really hard for small businesses. So. That's kind of a whole different yeah. story. Okay, so Ben, my last big question for you here is what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have when they think about Google ads in your mission? Like evil and obfuscation and um, egregious. I think a lot of those words come up and I think that's a, a huge misconception. I, like I said earlier, I think we all have the best interests of our customers 
in mind and the actions that you're seeing from both Google and uh, your rep are with, with the best intentions. Um, and, you know, I'd love to see stronger partnerships between Google reps and their advertisers, because like I said, a lot of the things that we're recommending are based on the context that we have. And if we're lacking the context, you're going to, you're going to receive back average, you know, base, like things just based on the average of what we see happening with a lot of other businesses that we work with. So I'd love to see stronger partnership. Um, the more context you give us, the better we can help you. And um, look, we love talking to our customers and I think it's a two-way street, um, honestly. So the, like just the, the better relationships you can build with your Google rep, the better experience you're going to get with the platform and the better success you're going to see from your investment. Okay. And then Greg and Jill, I'll start with Jill here, but I wanted to ask, while you have been here, I guess we'll just put them on the spot. One thing that advertisers are missing in Google ads or like a request that you have a hope for the future. To touch on what Ben was saying about the Google rep and uh, advertiser relationship, I think a big missing piece of the puzzle is the average person not knowing what to expect from their Google rep and what their Google rep can do for them and what to even ask for. Often that relationship starts with the Google rep reaching out, hi, I have recommendations for you. And then either it takes off or doesn't take off from there. And so I think there is an opportunity for Google sellers, especially in the FMS side where you are and even smaller to do more educative clients of like how we can help you beyond just the recommendations. And I think that would go a lot, a long way towards fostering uh, a better working relationship. Hey Greg, what do you agree. think? Any requests? And yeah, I mean, I, I have lots of hopes and dreams. I, I'd say the, the, the big thing for that people should know is there's like a wide variety of support out there and, and different communications you get, right? There's what you can get, um, you know, on the support line. There's what you get if you get called by an outside party that's, you know, their job is to be more on the sales side, like a teleperformax or whatever they're called. Um, then you have like a growth team and then you've got like a real Google team that probably you, you'd be interacting with somebody like Ben on. And if I had a request, you know, that support for people that are on the lower tier, um, to increase that, you know, that would be really helpful if you could get a hold of somebody quick that could actually, um, do something about a problem or triage, uh, any issues you have, and then get more support for people that are on the smaller and medium size and kind of even that playing field, you know, that that's, if you're a big, if you spend a lot, you've got a, you've got a big advantage. Um, and you aren't, you don't, if you're on the smaller side of things and using the support, trying to remediate things, you're actually at a huge disadvantage. Okay. Great thoughts there. So I want to thank you, Greg, Jill, and Ben for joining me today. And I'm just going to give you each a chance to plug any like upcoming projects or events you have going on. Um, and tell the listeners where they can get in touch with you if they have any other questions or want to do some work with you. So starting with Greg. So yeah, you can just listen, marketingoclock.com. Yeah. <laughs> we have a show every Friday. We cover the news. We try to have fun. And then we do this once a month, kind of a fun round table where we go deep dive. Thanks for being here. Ben, you're on Twitter too, right? I'm on Twitter, maybe a little too actively. <laughs> um, and then I also write uh, a weekly newsletter you can subscribe to at ben-kruger.com. Uh, I tend to go deep on Monday mornings uh, and would love for you guys to subscribe and, and hear more from me. Awesome. And Jill, can you remind us that URL for your course again? Yes. You can go to jyll.ca. I have a Google Ads training program inside Google Ads. Though I am on maternity leave for the next six months, I'm still updating uh, my course. I host a monthly for my members. So I'd love to see you there. Awesome. And follow Jill on TikTok. Can you tell us that handle again too? Yes, on TikTok, I'm the Google Pro, the underscore Google underscore Pro. And I talk about Google ads and free Google tools uh, for small business owners. So we yes. have a lot of fun over there on the clock app. <laughs> she is the top TikTok follow in PPC, undisputed. She's doing a great job. So thank you guys thank you. so much for being here today. I think this was a great conversation. And if you are looking for more digital marketing news and some fantastic puns, be sure to check into our show every Friday, wherever you're listening to this for the news of the week. Thanks, everybody.